Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Teacher Prep Tech. Today, we're going to be talking about coding in the classroom and how you can get started no matter what subject you teach. We're joined by Scott Moss, who is currently working as an instructional technology outreach consultant at the Los Angeles County of Education. Scott is also a faculty member at National University since 1999. He brings over 30 years of teaching experience in public education, having taught at elementary, middle, and high school levels. In addition, Scott is also a Google certified innovator. We're so excited to have the Time Warner Teacher of the Year and the Classroom of the Future Foundation Innovative Educator, Scott Moss. All right, so we're here with Scott Moss, who is our Instructional Technology Outreach Coordinator for the Los Angeles County offices. Woo, I'm coming up for air. Scott, our audience got to hear your bio, and we're super jazzed to have you on Teacher Prep Tech. But I'm curious, why are you so passionate about technology? Why is this such an awesome tool that teachers need to bring into the classroom? Uh, there, are, there are a lot of things, uh, and, you know, for me, I think the thing that really stands out is the technology that empowers the students to do some creation and create projects and products that they couldn't do in the past. Mm. Things like the coding tools that we're going to talk about, something like SketchUp, where you, they can create their own 3D environments and make a fly-through video of that and apply their knowledge and bring their creativity to it and using technology uh, in ways that lets them be a, a creator. Love so that, it. That's the thing that really gets me right now. So giving kids tools that allows them to create and express their vision, their goals, their love of learning, or their interests, right? Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. Well, I have two kids of my own that love coding, and they love technology, so you won't hear any pushback from me. But for our audience that are new out there, they've never, you know, they don't know much about coding or why they should use it in the classroom. Can you just break down what coding is and why coding should be used in the classroom? Sure. Well, coding is a very general term, but it's, it's the tools and methods used to create a computer program. And those computer programs can be, you know, animations, games, websites, literally anything. Um, but since we're talking about education, the thing that I've been focusing on are what are called the block-based tools mm -hmm. and oops, and those tools are like kind of like lego blocks that you can put together so the lines of code are lego blocks so maybe on movies and tv we've seen the text-based uh programming languages and if you try to do that if you misplace your semicolon your apprentices it causes an error and as a right. programmer that can be very frustrating but the lego the block-based programs like scratch and tinker they are let the, the programmer or the coder focus on the logic of the program, not so much the syntax and those details that may not really be so much. So let me sum up. So you're saying that kids can create like a web page or web interface by learning, con learning um, syntax or like language, computer language, right? That will give them the right. functionality to create something. That's right, yeah. And so the block-based uh, programs like Scratch and 
that are available on code.org, they have the code already on the blocks and the students basically put those uh, blocks together like Legos and they can create uh, computer programs that are interactive or maybe just animations or tell a story. There's uh, the, the possibilities are literally endless. Oh, wow. So I know if I right click on a web page, I can view the HTML code. Right. So essentially you're telling me that like within that code, there's certain like common elements or common things that I can maybe pull out and then put into, uh, you know, a script or a page so that I can have some creativity. Well, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because some people, you know, will look at something like Scratch. And if you look at Scratch and you the default program has this cartoon cat and people think oh that's just for little kids and it's not serious but it's actually can be very robust and the logic and a lot of the things that you will find in the block-based languages such as loops which is repeating things or conditional mm -hmm. statements the, the if-then statements uh variables all those things that uh you're using in scratch in the block-based languages those will appear later for kids who do advance on to the text-based languages such as, you know, C++ and Java, JavaScript. Uh, they're not the same, but they do have a lot of those those same core uh, computer science concepts. So, uh, and if you do look at some of the programs created in Scratch, you'll find some that are very complex and robust. Wow, so it sounds like you can even differentiate in your own coding context depending on where your kids are at. Well, I have found that, you know, I, I used to teach middle school and I taught coding. I found that with coding, it's easier to differentiate than with other uh, kinds of things because you can modify a project and say, okay, instead of doing, you know, changing the requirements of the project, but also uh, pro, uh, programs like Scratch allow you to remix. So you can give a kid a program that is partially done. Maybe you okay. give them all the blocks that are necessary and say, just put these together. Um, so there's all kinds of ways to differentiate with coding. Oh, absolutely. that's cool. I'm thinking of like scaffolding a paragraph in writing and you're saying that pretty much I can do that with coding so that my kids have success and feel successful and are engaged in what we're doing in the class. That's exactly right. And, and one of the things I've done in some cases is create a program that is basically done and then kind of deconstruct it and doing a save as each time and saving multiple different versions. Uh -huh. So then I have different stages of, you know, how much work the student has to do. So if a kid, you know, really needs a lot of scaffolding, I might give uh, him the one that is almost done. That's wow. only a few steps away. So, uh, and that can, that, can, that can work in other, you know, kind of technology projects that doesn't have to be coding. That can be in Microsoft Word or, or anything. Right. So speaking of some of the ways that you kind of differentiate coding, what are some of the benefits for students and why should I, as a teacher, use this if I'm teaching, you know, math, science, or even reading? Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's so empowering, first of all. I mean, there are a lot of things that we talk about. We want kids to be critical thinkers and problem solvers and have grit and the growth mindset and use the design process. And coding can really address you know all those uh, types of things um even develop empathy you know students have to think about their 
end user, the user audience, and it may not be someone just like them, and they're going to have to put themselves in those person's shoes to develop a good program so that can develop empathy. empathy. So there's so many things in general that coding can address, but as you mentioned, the, the curricular connections are they're there, especially in math and science. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, I've had kids say to me uh, that they never cared about the coordinate plane or variables and uh, the angles and these kinds of things until they needed it to make their program work the way that they wanted to. So wow. it embeds a lot of this content into a meaningful context, which I think uh, will help kids retain the content better. Yeah. And it sounds like you're also giving them skills that they can take into future careers because realistically, I mean, beyond being a math teacher, when else do you use some of those concepts? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things that I think happens with this is uh, there's a lot of focus on future careers and programming and coding. And there's certainly opportunities there. But there are people who will say, or students who say, well, I don't want to be a programmer, so forget it. But there's so many general skills like the troubleshooting, the problem solving. Mm -hmm. And even if you don't, even if your job does not involve programming, uh, you're you're going to be working with programmers or you're going to be working with, you know, having that background in computer science is going to help you throughout your life, no matter what you pursue. Yeah, I have to confess, I've only done Hour of Code, and at the time, my youngest was in kindergartner, and I thought, Mm -hmm. no way are they going to be able to do this. But the Hour of Code was so well designed with the videos and the real basic language I could even see my child sounding out and wanting to read those blocks of codes. It was so motivating it. Um, But being able to run their program and seeing, I think it was like, you know, a Star Wars hour of code. Right. And seeing the little R2-D2 move and just getting them, you know, they were just so motivated to want to keep getting their character where they needed to be. And so I was like, wow, there's like reading and problem solving and logic and all of those great things that we want to bring into, you know, our kids so that they're not, you know, they're developing those higher order thinking skills. And I, and I can see that. It's amazing. You have to problem solve. And I, I want to piggyback on one thing that you mentioned, and that is the reading. Because very often, you know, people think, yes, math and science, but language arts, not so much. Well, if you're going to do uh, coding and programming, you are doing close reading. There is no, there's no way around that. You have to go line by line, and you have to read and understand. And let me just uh, share this little story. When I taught coding with middle school, very often they raise their hand, say, "Hey, Mr. Moss, uh, when the water touches the flower, the flower is supposed to grow, but it's not working." Mm. They want me to just give them the answer, and I'd say, "Go ahead and read. You know, read that code." And when they actually read it, very often, I mean, very often, they would say, oh, and I would say they would get it. Right. I'd say, let, let me point out that although I, I'm always willing to help you, I do want to point out to you that uh, you didn't get that answer on your own just by reading carefully. So that, and, you know, things like math word problems involve that same kind of reading. Read this, understand it, move on. So, um the close reading aspect, people don't talk about that very much, but I, I think uh, that coding really helps with that kind of close Oh, that's, reading. I never even thought about that. That's so, I mean, that's just such a major 
shift in terms of how you can get your kids to really comprehend, to really infer and make connections and, and bridge those um, higher order thinking skills in the context of reading. So I'm excited about getting started with coding, and I'm sure our audience is as well. So what are your recommendations for some ways to get started with coding? Well, you, you already mentioned it, and the power of code is a great way to start. Um, go to code.org and do the hour of code tutorials. Like you said, there's Star Wars, there's Frozen and the Angry Birds and um, Minecraft, and it's something for everyone just to get started right uh you know when you're doing those uh those tutorials you described you might be doing something learning about loops and then a video of mark uh, zuckerberg or bill gates or ashton kutcher pops up and and tells you the value of what you're doing and you know as you said the quality of their materials are so good and if you do the hour of code you if you actually complete it you get a certificate that you can type your name into and print out it's very nice that's right um, yes i remember that <laughs> And then you can keep going in Hour of Code, or excuse me, in code.org, and you can add your students and create a class, and you can manage them, and you can assign them uh, activities, and, and they have courses, everything from uh, pre-K you know, through high school. So code.org yeah, is a great place to start, and you can spend a lot of uh, time there. I think uh, another great place to go is Scratch, which I mentioned, which is scratch.mit.edu. Mm-hmm. And if you start at code.org uh, and then move on to Scratch, the, right. the block-based coding languages, they're very similar. So it's, it's kind of a natural progression. And Scratch can give you more freedom. Uh, it's just kind of a, a potentially a blank slate for you to work with. Um, and that's, that's probably a good way to go. And one thing uh, that I did when I was starting out is in Scratch, I would just create just fun programs for me or that I thought mm-hmm. were fun. And, for example, I created this program uh, called uh, Peter the Pupil Picking Penguin. And it was just, you know, how uh, teachers have popsicle sticks or playing cards so they can call on students at random. Right. Uh, I made a little program. It was basically a random number generator uh, to do that. But just, you know, it was just my way of, you know, like a little need that I had. Oh, and, that is you know, so cool. A little program. So doing things like that, it makes it fun. And maybe you can make something that's that's useful for yourself. Oh, that is so it. cool. So you didn't, you, you did away with the equity sticks, right? <laughs> and you oh, made... Oh. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) And you made your own program. That is so cool. And then you got to personalize it, right? Personalize it. And then I, you know, I show it to students and talk about the design of it. So in this program, um, after I click, uh, I enter the number of students in the class and then, but there's a pause and I tell the students, well, the idea of doing this is when I ask the question, then the idea is that everyone should be thinking about it. So that's why the pause is in there, you know, talk mm-hmm. about the, the, the purpose within the design. But I could have just entered the number and then it would return the number immediately, but it doesn't. You have to it, you have to click on the penguin and the penguin blinks a few times and then the number comes out. But during that time, theory, the student should be thinking about the question that was asked. So it you know, it's 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 kind of meta, you know what I mean? And you can you can really uh share what you did with the students and and since you're so you know familiar with it yourself then you can really talk about it and then they you know it's modeling of, of uh thinking 
Oh, that sounds exciting. I'm excited to make my own number talk with coding. I think that would be so cool to bring it into the math world on that level. Somebody, yeah, there, there, there's a lot of great things you can do. Um, uh, in science, one of the things that I've been showing uh, at conferences and whatnot is that in science, students can create their own tutorial. Excuse me, I didn't mean to say tutorials. I meant to say um experiments and simulations oh wow so for example if you wanted to make an experiment that uh where the user would type in a temperature mm. uh and depending on the number that's typed in for the temperature then you could have a block of ice that would either you know show ice uh be steam or uh liquid depending on the number that's typed in and you can do that with you know anything that's got a scientific formula and that you know semi-realistic uh, simulations and animations and it's really exciting and fun and it totally fits in with the uh the next generation science standards because those focus on you know, students designing their own experiments and not so much just going through uh pre-prepared predetermined experiments so when yeah, you said lot, science you said science you said science and temperature i immediately thought about integers yeah I was like, oh, that'd be cool to do. And so they they maybe could maybe even add or subtract integers and determine if it's going to be a hot flame or a block of ice. <laughs> right. So what you can do if you get, you know, if you have some content and you're wondering, hey, how can I, this, this might lend itself to coding. Uh, one thing you can do is you can go to the Scratch site mm. and there's right at the top of the page, there's a search box and you type in photosynthesis or Oh, wow. Interactions, and you can see what students have done, and you can get ideas. And if you have an account, you can actually remix that or, you know, basically make it your own and change it around. You, you don't have to start from scratch. Or oh, that's start. so, but that's it's a great, great. Great way to get ideas uh, for what's already been done and what's possible. Okay, so great. So now I know there's already, you know, I, would you call it code or programs that people have already programs. created about specific content areas? that I can yes. bridge into my classroom. Absolutely. Awesome. So now that you've talked about all of the wonderful things that coding can do, what are some potential challenges that we should be aware of so that we don't get hung up and say, forget it, I'm done, but realize it's just it's something that we need to overcome? Well, yeah, certainly it does require grit, perseverance, attention to detail, and yeah, you can get frustrated. And, you know, like I said, the you know the, the flower's not growing and I, I think it should work and why isn't it working and there's and students will get frustrated and teachers too I think for teachers though one of the big things to think about is some teachers are not comfortable teaching in an area where they are not masters of the content mm. and you have to be comfortable with that and depending on your students it's possible that you some of your students may surpass your skills and knowledge when it comes to coding and you got it. You have to be okay with that. And for me, I thought that was very exciting. Yeah. Uh, teacher, you know, a kid would ask a question. It's like, well, I don't know. I never thought of that. Let's figure this out together. And to me, those kinds of you know, working with the students to solve problems, that was some of the most enjoyable teaching moments that I've had in my career. It's really, uh, really fun, very authentic kind of stuff. So. Um, it, but you have to be able to kind of let go and realize and, you know, be okay to say in front of your students, I don't know. But right. We can figure it out. 
Yeah, that's huge. And that's such a great thing to be aware of when you get into this space. Um, Certainly, it's a hard, kind of hard walk to walk when, you know, your kids know more than you do. And, um, you know, you don't know what to say when a question's asked. But uh, it's important to be humble and, and to get real with your kids. So I'm glad that you brought that up. It's funny, you know, students, it seems at all grade levels will say, well, you're the teacher, you're supposed to know everything. Well, we always want to teach them. No, we don't know everything. And yes, I've been teaching coding for 10 years, but I don't know the answer to that question. I never thought of that before. So let's see if we can figure out. And that's that mimics real life, especially mm-hmm. the jobs for the future, because if something is to be figured out easily, it can be handled by Google or AI or something. But those kinds of hard problems are the things that... Um, we need the kind of skills that we need to build on the students. So, uh, absolutely. So be able to let go a little bit and be okay with not knowing. Well, thanks for sharing that. And what do you see in terms of the future of teaching and learning with coding? Well, I mean, certainly one of the trends now is, is robotics and especially with the younger kids, because you're, you're coding the actions of the robots and the students are, and it's a great way to get started. Um, and certainly, uh, as you said, there's, there's a trend towards trying to make things, uh, coding more integrated into the core subjects and not just make it a separate thing. Uh, but that, I think that's going to take some time. One, one of the areas that I am really interested in is students creating programs that are to do good for others. Mm. Um, there's another coding app, a free one called MIT App Inventor. That allows uh-huh. you to create a program and put it right onto an Android phone without no middleman. You know? Wow! Uh, and and kids have made programs. Uh, this one sixth grade uh, girl made a program to help her grandmother who had Alzheimer's. Um, something on scratch called Banking for the Blind. Uh-huh. But kids can make real programs, and some of them can help can do good in the world and help others, you know, helping uh, somebody find a buddy at lunch and those kinds of things. So I think that's very Oh, that's amazing. When students can do that kind of work and, and have a real impact on others. That's so awesome because we're really national, you know, moving towards infusing social-emotional learning into all of our yeah. courses. And it's so great to hear that you know, computer science is already moving in that direction. And I think the more things become, you know, automated for us in terms of, you know, we don't have to manually go and, you know, harvest our own food and what have you. Um, Although I do have a garden because I love getting my hands in the dirt. (laughs) But, um, you know, we can, we can free our time up to do things that are really making positive differences in people's lives. So that's so amazing to hear. I love it. Um, so can you just share with us a few resources? I know you talked about scratch and code.org. Anything else that you would recommend to, you know, to get started with coding? Um, well, those two are, are, are definitely uh, top on the list. Another one that's great is um, Google has one called CS First, CS mm-hmm. for Computer Science. And Google CS First is a scripted kind of packaged curriculum uh, for teachers to use. And they use a scratch, but uh, no prior experience is needed. It's scripted out step by step and it's got different areas to focus on uh things like fashion design and oh, wow. uh, game design music um 
trying to think of what else uh, they have storytelling and whatnot, music creation. Um, and that is a great way to start. Now, originally, uh, Google CS First was designed for after school clubs. And what they found was that teachers wanted to use it during the day, during school day. So now they've revamped it to make it more, more compatible with, uh, you know, using it during the regular school day. And it's free. If you have, you know, Google Classroom, uh, it integrates with that. Oh, that is so That's cool. Fun. I am yeah. so excited to like check that out. That sounds yeah. phenomenal. And our final question, Scott, is how can our teachers and listeners get in touch with you? Because you have so much knowledge and wisdom about this area. And I know people are going to have a thousand questions that I couldn't think of. Well, first of all, I, I encourage them to do that. And one of the things that I think that I, that I a skill I've developed over this time is being able to think of an idea for a computer program that kids can do based on, you know, okay, we're doing fractions and, you know, fourth grade and uh, here's what we're going for and then to kind of come up with ideas but my um, so I do encourage people to contact me with any questions and uh, if you want an idea I'm happy to do that Scott H Moss at gmail.com is my email address I have um, a website uh, techieteacher.org techie is with a y at the end of it and that redirects to a google site that's um it's not quite polished, but there's a ton of resources there, techieteacher.org. Techie but uh, for specific questions, definitely uh, email is great. And, of course, you can get in touch the way that I got in touch with you, which is via Twitter, at Scott, Scott H. Moss, right? That's right. H <laughs> that's my favorite way to get in H touch is for, with you. H is for happy. Yeah, that's right. H is for happy. Well, I love it, and I know we're so happy to have had you – Come on our show this evening and talk about all of the different tools that teachers can get started with right away for coding in the classroom and integrating technology. We made a really strong case for that, and we're so excited to have you. So thanks so much, Scott, and I look forward to having you back on the show soon. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Take care. You too. Bye.